And in three, two, one. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Investment Property Income Podcast. My name is Jeff Eady. Joining me today is the moon to my stars, the sprinkles on my ice cream sundae, one of Canada's top mortgage brokers, Mr. Jonathan Tilger. Jonathan, how are you today, sprinkles? <laughs> sprinkles to your sundae. <laughs> I love the analogies you come up with. Some of us are going, what the hell? Where the hell did that one come from? <laughs> But I'm doing phenomenal. <laughs> Always fun talking with you. So just phenomenal yourself, Jeff. There's just something that happens when I press that record button, Jonathan. <laughs> I can't explain and, it. <laughs> and, and the funny thing is, there's some there are sometimes we're 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 just flying back and forth before we hit the record. Today we were dry and dull before the record. Well, <laughs> I've always been a bit of a ham. <laughs> and to answer your question, I am fantastic, sir. Every day above ground is a good day. <sighs> so aside from that intro, I don't think it's a dry topic. I mean, investing and, and all that stuff, we weren't laughing our faces off, but we do have a good time doing what we do, JT. And uh, otherwise, I, I, you know, honestly, I wouldn't do it. I've always been one of those guys that if I'm, if, I, if I'm not enjoying it, I really can't do it. You should have seen me in school. I was just awful, awful student. <laughs> if you can imagine that, you've seen my attention span. So JT. There's some interesting stuff Girl. that happened. Yeah. <laughs> Subject change. No segue. Uh, today, today, there was some interesting stuff that happened in, in the TD uh, mortgage world. And we're not touting any one bank over the other. We're not sponsored, um, obviously, because, you know, four people listen to this show every week. Uh, <laughs> but all four have actually, well, no, never mind. I was going to say about somebody working for them before, but. You've worked with TD in the past, and I actually, you corrected me just before we came on here. I thought that TD did not work with the broker channel, but that is not the case, correct? TD has been uh, a longtime supporter of the broker channel. So, so TD is one of the banks that, that I like for that reason. And you wonder why I gave up my mortgage license. <laughs> just to clarify it's because i didn't really work in the residential stuff and i don't need it for what i do <laughs> but uh um i actually never i never i did one mortgage the whole time i was uh, a mortgage licensed pro, uh, agent which is hilarious because i didn't even do it i was trying to learn but the agent just took it and did it himself i'm like bro i wanted to learn anyhow <laughs> so td oh you're right about squirrel I think it's the four cups of coffee I've had today. Um, TD just announced that they are opening up their HELOC product. Now, I'm not going to patronize our listeners by, by having you explain what a HELOC product is. So you should understand it. We'll, we'll talk about the details of the plan and why it's so beneficial for people. But um, Jonathan, you have corrected me in the past when I have said HELOC. But you say that that that's more of a brand name than an actual product. It, it was something that was coined, but it's become in, it's become an industry standard now. It just it stands for home equity line of credit. So, but but TD kind of owns the rights to that. I, I'm not sure who actually owns the rights, so I'm not going to say exactly. But uh, but di different lenders call it by a different name. Okay. Scotia Bank, it's their step product. Yeah, well, and that's that's the differentiator. And I differentiator. Yeah. I was I was trying to get to there. Thanks for following me. Um, <laughs> but the actual HELOC, like like TD calls it a HELOC, correct? 
uh, I believe or is it just so. For the article? I, I, I know the article references this way. Uh, it, does he? I don't know how TD actually calls it, so I don't want to comment on that one there. I mean, it, it's a secured line of credit secured to your property. That's what it is. Okay, so why don't you walk us through what's different between what's what's been okay? So, be opening up to the broker channel, how big is the broker channel in Canada now compared to where it used to be? And broker channel meaning mortgage brokers and and agents, but how big is it compared to what it used to be? When you started, was it a major source of of revenue for the banks? Oh, when I when I started, yeah, it has been. I mean, I've I've uh, I got in while it was still growing, but it it was it was decent size. I mean, a lot of people knew about brokers because I've, I've only been in really the last 13 years. Not like I was in, in the eighties and nineties where it's kind of like, well, mortgage broker, what's that? A lot of, a lot of people, especially, especially the younger generation, they all know about mortgage brokers now. So I think it's over half of, uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's over half of first time buyers are going through mortgage brokers and a lot of, uh, of existing clients are using mortgage brokers as well. Um, Let's talk about that for just a second. Going back to, you said the 80s and 90s, because I remember the <clears throat> overwhelming resistance that some people had to the idea of using a broker versus a bank, because back in the day, brokers had a really bad name. Why is that? Well, at, at the beginning, uh, I mean, I don't know exactly why it was, but at the beginning, my understanding was that brokers would be kind of like who you'd go to if you can't get your deal done anywhere else. Oh, really? Yeah, so so that's that's really where brokers started out. Uh, would be, again, I let me rephrase that. I don't know the history one hundred percent, but my yeah. understanding of it is they started out as really the alternative space. Hey, you can't get your deal done. I've got this source of uh, of alternative lending sources who could help you out. Mm. So so you go to a if you don't pay and- them back, they give, knock on your door and break your legs. Well, no, because they got the house. <laughs> they, they they would foreclose. They would foreclose on the house. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they they I, they would be on. I mean, obviously higher interest rates, uh, stiffer terms, and then then the broker everything they they the only way they made money was by charging a fee. That well, that makes sense. And uh, what is it? The MBLAA of two thousand nine is that is that when the the real the, the last big regulation change came? Because they weren't really regulated back then, were they? Yeah, when uh, it's, I mean, I got into the business in 2008, and when I first got into the business, did not have to have a mortgage broker course or anything like that to actually be licensed. Really? So it's just like, oh, you want to be licensed? Just find a brokerage to sign up with, and you're good to go. Wow. So, so I actually wrote the, uh, I had to take the course. It was shortly after they sort of, well, everyone existing, yes, you can get your, you can get your license, uh, or you can maintain your license, but you do have to take a course now. Okay, so I had to take my course so let's talk about the difference and i don't believe in high barriers to entry but is it difficult to get a mortgage mortgage license still it is in ontario anyway it it is it's not super difficult i mean it's really a, a course which if you do it diligently you can complete within a week maybe two weeks uh and then you write the exam and I will tell you because I previously had written like the life insurance exam and taken that course. And in contrast, that one was significantly more difficult than the mortgage one. Was that the LLQP? Is that what that's called? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that uh, I've, I've never, I've, I've read some of the 
study materials for those. And yeah, the mortgage course I found quite, quite simple. And um, now if you look at what realtors have to have to uh, do to get licensed, I don't, I, I think that's a really high barrier to entry, although it was probably necessary in that segment as well. Yeah. Well, I think they, uh, they wanted to slow down the number of realtors and plus they could say, Hey, we can, with the number of people wanting to get into this industry, we can make a little bit more money off them. <laughs> let, let, let's that. be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, the comparatively, uh, I do remember it used to, it used to take about four to six months to get your real estate license five, six, seven years ago, maybe, maybe yeah. a little more. Yep. Time flies really quickly. Uh, oh, actually, I think it was like 10 years ago when I remember that, but it wasn't that involved. And now it's a two-year course at Humber to, to, to get your I, real estate I license. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, uh, there's ways to fast track it apparently, but that's crazy. And and the the price has gone up like 10 grand or more, um, whereas it's like 500 bucks to get your mortgage license. Yeah, oh, <laughs> so, exactly, yeah. So my my point I'm trying to illustrate with all of that is even today with all the regulations and all that, the barriers to entry are still pretty low. So you really have to know that you're dealing with a, a, a reputable broker when you're doing this stuff, right? That's right. Uh, I mean, because really you could be talking to somebody who knows nothing and has no support. I mean, somebody new in the industry is fine if they've got the right support around them. They set themselves up with the right people to go to to help them out. Uh, but But I'll just... And really with what you learn in the course, practical wise, it gives you almost nothing. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I, I, I learned how to calculate a mortgage. That was the one thing I took away from that. And that I, I have long since forgotten. I remembered that just for the. <laughs> and and the, the, the reality is, and, and I don't want to simplify it or say that that's not important. It is important to know how to do that. But the reality is, is you've got so many, I mean, the whole system that we use to put the mortgage together. When we put in the numbers, it tells us what the calculations are right there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it. It's, it's like, we, I remember in grade six, we couldn't use calculators. We had to do all the numbers by, by hand. I'm like, but, but we have calculators in the real world. We don't need to know how to do this. <laughs> um, so <clears throat> all of that being said, is that what, why have they been hesitant to allow this HELOC product into the broker channel? I, I can't answer it as to why. I mean, TD's been, been a long supporter of the broker channel, just meaning they've been a lender who's, uh, who's been working through the broker channel for a long time. Uh, but up until, well, up until, well, they made the announcement that it's January 10th of the coming year is when they're, they're going to have this product available. So it means that brokers can now, in addition to setting up a mortgage for a client with TD, can also set them up with a line of credit. So we can actually do, do them both together or just add on, uh, add on a line of credit in second position. But the, the details still need to come out. Yeah. Well, some of the details in there, uh, one of them, they talked about the, with the STEP program with Scotia, it takes a couple of months for their uh, mortgage payments to be credited to the, to the actual uh, HELOC side. Whereas this one would take a day. For, and and I see you reading the article. I read more of it than you. Uh, <laughs> but uh, they were saying that this is important for advanced investors doing things like the Smith Maneuver, which I know you're a fan of and, and show people your own twist on it. Yeah. 
Um, so why would that that difference of a couple of weeks to a couple of days or sorry, a couple of months to a couple of days? Um, why would that make a huge difference if you're doing the Smith maneuver? Uh, I'm not sure what you're referencing by a couple couple months to a couple of days. So when you make the payment on the uh, mortgage, it's immediately available on the HELOC for you to borrow again. Okay, that that part there, yeah. That so with that, I mean, it just means that pretty much the day after you make your mortgage payment, which is coming out, let's just say it's the first of the month. That means right afterwards, uh, you pay five hundred principal. It would be available on the line of credit. So you can so, then take that out. Yeah, you could you could take it out for other purposes if it was to invest. Uh, as we're talking about, like the Smith maneuver, where you're taking it out to invest, it's now tax deductible that portion. So basically you just got to pay tax on your profit, but that's so just kind of explain that because if we're going to talk about Smith maneuver, we might as well explain it just <laughs> a little bit. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, patronize anybody that's listening to us, you know, all three of you, but um, I, at the same time, I want to be informative. So just explain why that would be like, just that little model would be important to be able to take it out right away and how that works. Uh, it's well, it really just gives you all the same, for lack of a better, uh, it gives you more time in the market. So, I mean, uh, as, as one of those sayings I heard years ago, uh, it's not necessarily timing the market, it's time in the market. And so by getting your money into the market a little bit sooner, if things are appreciating steadily over time, which markets tend to do, they're going to have their ups and their downs, but if they're appreciating steadily over time, if you're able to get it in a month or two sooner, uh, probability is that it will you'll get that extra month or two growth on the money that you wouldn't necessarily see if it got in, uh, if it got in March instead of January. Mm. Yeah. And I guess over time that might even add up to a year or two worth of growth. Yeah. Yeah. Just With the way com- compounding works. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, I guess that would make a massive difference. I, you know, your money's available right away. Now let's talk about the danger side of that for people because let's address it. I mean, we love to live in a perfect world where somebody makes their mortgage payment and they borrow the money to invest and it's a tax write-off and they're making money on their money and all of that stuff. But could they run the risk of never paying off anything on their mortgage? Well, it depends on how they're using, depends on how they're using that line of credit. Yeah, well, of if, course, but the, if, the if, question I if, asked. <laughs> yeah. If, if they're using it basically just to consume, Meaning yeah. that, hey, I want to go on this vacation. I got the money. I'm going to use it. Uh, I want, uh, hey, I want that watch. I want that car. I want whatever else. And that's all they're doing. Then you're never getting yourself ahead because you're not, you're not paying it down. But if you're using it really to help leverage to invest, you're essentially going, yeah, okay, I'm taking on more, a little more debt right now. But I'm using that to give myself Typically, I mean, when you're investing, you're investing into an asset that will appreciate over time. So yes, I'm taking on a little more debt, but I'm putting that into an asset that should outpace my cost to invest. So over time, it will put more money back in your pocket. You know, it's funny because sometimes we start these conversations and we were talking about this HELOC and that, you know, the the features of it that we understand so far. And here we're talking about the Smith Maneuver and... (laughs) So the idea is don't waste your money on consumer goods. Use this HELOC properly, and it could really significantly increase the value of your, your uh, portfolio over time. Yeah, debt, debt, debt is a, isn't a problem if you're using it right. 
that's yeah, a problem if, if if you're using it to make your bill payments that's a different story and i mean let's be honest it's, everyone goes through some ebbs and flows and if there's a period of time where you've got the credit available to help float you until until you can pay everything off as long as you've got a plan to do that then that's that's way better than being foreclosed on i'll say that much <laughs> um or go through other problems so so in those situations it's a smart move but if it's your long-term strategy it's not the best thing to do. Well, I, uh, I, I find it funny because you recently had a client that uh, you, you talk about this all the time. Take the money when, when you don't need it. Uh, well, take, take the money, take the credit when you don't need yes. it, meaning set, set, set it up so it's available. Don't yeah. necessarily take the money, but hey, if you, can, if you can set up that line of credit right now, take it. Yeah, and it caused them a challenge when it came to funding later, right? Yeah, because exactly. It's, it's when you don't want, when you don't need the money, that's when they're willing to give it to you. When you're in a situation, I need the money right now. Now it's going to be hard to find. <laughs> Which I mean, it seems counterintuitive, but from a lending standpoint, it just makes total sense. Yeah. <laughs> if they're trying to mitigate risk, then uh, yeah, I would give it to you when you don't need it. So you can pay it back if you're going to use it. Yeah, exactly. Um, actually, uh, George Ross, one of my mentors, you've met uh, George. He said, you know, one of the best things to do is just start a, a, a relationship with a bank by borrowing two grand, even though you don't need it, take it all out and pay it back, pay it back exactly when, it, and then the next time you'll, you take out five and then 10, and then eventually you'll get up to the point where you can borrow 500 grand without them even asking, you know, it's just like, oh yeah, it's you walking. Yep. Here you go. There's 500 grand. Yeah. I think, uh, I'm not going to say that's not valid, but I think those days have changed a little bit just because lending criteria is tightened up. And I know it used to be so much, hey, you've got the relationship with the bank manager. They can get all kinds of stuff done. Whereas nowadays, because it's gone to central underwriting, it's a little little tougher on that side, but it does improve your credit rating, which is which is what they want to see. Yeah. All right. So completely invalid. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I just know, I mean, hear people talk that, it really used to be a lot more that way where there was someone with common sense behind uh, who could make common sense judgment calls. Mm. Yeah. Now it's just punch numbers into a computer. It's yes or no. And yeah, hopefully exactly. I get a manager to approve it. Yeah. And, and where those relationships come in is if you're borderline, they can, they can push it over. But if you're like, way, if, if it's like, okay, you've got to be here and you're, and you're like 90 degrees away from that. No, but if you're, Hey, you got two or three degrees, that's where the relationship can, can help smooth that over. And those relationships really only come with, well, I, I'm sure you, you can walk into your bank for a while and know the people that work there, but they don't always stay. Yeah. And, you know, someone like yourself who's a broker, you have the relationships with the business development managers inside the bank. And that's more of a steady position. Am I right? Oh, it is. Yeah. It's uh, the business developer. The one that I found is uh, the ones I really like to make with the lenders is getting to know the heads of the underwriting teams. Mm people who head up the underwriting departments because those are the people, Hey, I'm stuck. Can you help me? Oh, it's you. Of course. <laughs> Always nice having a man on the inside or woman or yes, woman. Yes. <laughs> All right, JT, let's uh, wrap it up. I know you got to go. Anything you want to talk about this product before we, uh, before we step, step out. <laughs> that was a, that was not an intentional pun about the Scotiabank product, but uh, just kind of wrap it up why this is a good thing for the market. And if you're excited about it, if you're not, if well, you it's, care it's, at all. It's, it's a good thing because by, by TD doing this, it gives basically going through the broker, 
it gives more choice. It gives more selection. So it, it opens up another channel where for, particularly for investor clients, but just people who do, do want something with a marginal line of credit, gives the brokers an additional channel we can go to. And just more, uh, more channels we can use just gives, allows us to really find out which is the better product for the client. So, so anytime you get more choice, uh, it's, it's just better. <laughs> choice is good. And, and, right. Unless you talk about, I think you reference a cereal aisle where there's like too much choice, but. Well, that's, that is the, the, the challenge. I don't know if you ever been to the pickle barrel, but I can't stand going to that restaurant. We have like a 40 page menu. And every time I order, I feel like I'm missing out on something, but that's also your job. You know, you, you, if you look at the lending landscape as the pickle barrel menu with 40 different pages and 20 items on each page, it's your job to, to bring it down to, Hey, just look at this, this segment. Well, that that's, I mean, to tie it in, it's, it's the difference between going there and having somebody who doesn't know it's the difference between a good broker or a good server at the pickle barrel who's, Hey, I'm in the mood for something like this. What can you yeah. write? Okay. Turn right here. We've got three choice to choose from this one or this one or this one. Yeah. It's sa same with, same with having a good broker who can go through. Yeah. Based on your situation. Yeah. We've got, yeah, there's, there's, 30 different options. Really, it comes down to two. I, the benefit here or here. Just imagining you wearing an apron and holding a tray. Uh, <laughs> serving up three little bank logos. <laughs> Come on, there's, there's, there's 40 pages. Make your bloody choice quickly. <laughs> All right. On that note, sounds like a... <laughs> oh, never mind. Anyhow, Jonathan, it's always a pleasure. It's always an adventure. I thank you for your time. We thank you for listening. If you want to find out more about uh, Jonathan and, and myself and what we do, you can always go to investmentpropertyincomebook.com, download the book that we uh, co-authored last year. Uh, or of course, you can, if you're listening to this, you're probably already found us on Spotify, Google Play, or one of the mul multitude of platforms that we're on. Or find us on, uh, on meetup.com. We do a uh, live meetup every other Tuesday or at least twice a month. We do it twice a month. Sorry. Um, but uh, yeah, join us for one of our live meetups. We have some interesting topics, some guests from time to time, and it is a growing group. We'd love to see you there. Jonathan, thank you again for your time. I appreciate you, and we appreciate every one of you for listening. Have a fantastic day, and we'll see you soon.